On this episode of The Makers, we are going to do our weekly roundup and then dive directly into a Octoprint rundown. What is Octoprint, why is Octoprint, and how to use it? Coming up next. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Makers, episode 16. My name is Door to Door Geek. Uh, this is at least initially being a private feed to our Patreon backers. If the audio works in audio form, this will be published as an actual show. This is the podcast where we build, break, learn all kinds of things. My name is Door to Door Geek. Uh, I am joined this week by a couple fellas involved with the building and breaking and learning, 3D printing, CNCing, making of all magnitudes. Uh, first off, we have um, Aaron here. How's everything going, man? Did you do any building, breaking, or learning? Uh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, um, didn't do any. Well, I did breaking earlier, and then I fixed it. So, uh, um, broke my power supply on my uh, FT5. Got one in, uh, rewired it, got it up and going again. And then, of course, as soon as I did that, I broke my uh, Octoprint and uh raspberry pi so had to fix that got that up and going again and i think we're all set i'm up and running i'm printing so that's positive so yeah that's about all i have going on oh and i'm building uh the skeleton uh, for halloween and get up getting that all painted up that's very cool um i also had raspberry pi issues in the last uh week or two so maybe it's not just me and you that's what i'm gonna hope um we're also joined this week by um by um Chad. How is everything going, man? Did you do any uh, building, breaking, or learning? Um, everything's going good. Or uh, yeah, did a lot of building. Um, I think I did some breaking. Um, I think I just bricked my Delta printer. Um, still working on that, trying to figure that one out. But um, yeah. Um, hopefully I'll learn from that. <laughs> Well, we already learned not to buy one of those printers. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I can get all the bugs out of it and you know, whatnot. It's a good, solid, mechanical printer. It's just nothing but software issues. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, on the uh, mini PC show, I say more than ever, um, Hardware is only half of it. You have to have a well-tuned operating system alongside that hardware, or else you have a expensive door um, door s- s- stop. Yeah, um, I do have an extra control board just that I had ordered. Um, I got a smoothie board that I ordered. It might end up going on the Delta here. Worst case scenario. Roger, Roger, gotcha, gotcha. Um, we're also joined by um Liam. Hey, Liam, uh, how has your week been? Do any uh, building, breaking, or learning? Yes. Was it fun? Was it enjoyable? Was it regretful? Was it aggravating? Was it infuriating? Again, I'm gonna go with yes. Um, all of it? Yeah, all of it. I'm in the process of building a venting system for three printers that are in my print area. Uh, I've learned that sometimes when you print too long, you get a little bit of off-gassing and some particulates in the air that then break your head because you get a bad headache. Um, me and the kid both had a headache at the end of the day when we got home and 
like, man, you know, what's going on? We're well hydrated and all that. And I said, did you, when did you get a headache? And he said, well, I got to the office when mom dropped me off. So I said, I need to get this area vented. And then I haven't been printing with those printers um, at all. And neither of us since then have had any sort of headaches at the office. So it, it's it's been needing to get done. And now it's getting done. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we did speak on this, I believe, last episode about um, venting areas and the need for it. And it's there is no absolute with this. It's all dependent on your usage, your area, your size of your area. Do you already have natural venting going on? Yada, yada, yada. But the bottom line is this. Like Liam said, one of the very first things he said in that statement, everything vents. Anytime you're melting any plastic into another form, there is going to be something that comes off of it. The question is, what is it? How much of it and how fast does it come off oh one thing i'll say is smelling it has nearly nothing to do with the actual smell um the issue is there and smell is not a part of it whatsoever if you can smell it then it's a factor i'm sorry it smelling is not a factor that's what i meant to say i'm trying to watch things multiple times and i'm getting slightly confused yeah, no, I mean, everything outgasses, and the more you heat it up, the more it's going to outgas. Uh, everybody's gotten something from China at some point where you open it up and you're like, whoa, hey, this thing's brand new. They didn't let it sit in a warehouse. It's got that nasty new smell. And then our, our friend uh, James taught us that the film you get in your brand new car when it sits idle is called fogging, and that's from all the ABS and other materials in there outgassing over time. I've always wondered about that. I'm like, man, am I just this slobbish that? The inside of my windshield gets nasty over time, and he was talking about it. God, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, made a lot of sense. Uh, I used to work in a lot where all we got was new cars off the boats, and they would sometimes sit there for weeks and a little bit longer at times. And once in a while, we would see cars f- form that film inside, and we had no idea what it was. Um, we're also joined this week by um, by um, Jonas. How's everything going, man? Did you do any building, breaking, or learning? Oh, just a little bit of building. Made some CNC circles and engraved them on the laser cutter. Uh, that that was it? You, you didn't do any breaking this week? No, no breaking. Didn't really learn anything new either, unfortunately. Haven't been doing a lot of ex- extra stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I've been moderately busy, which is normal. Nothing normal, you know, change there kind of thing. Um, I will say my Raspberry Pi went completely boom, and it was the worst kind of boom. I could go in the web browser to my Octoprint, but then whenever I tried to do anything after accessing that first default screen, nothing would happen. Nothing would work. It just kind of flaked out. So I brought my Raspberry Pi to my workstation, physically connected it, connected a monitor to it, SSH'd into it, which is like command line-esque into it. And I saw there was a pending OS update where I was behind a good amount, a great amount, in fact. So I let it do all the updates because it's a Raspberry Pi, not a powerful rig. It literally took 30 plus minutes for it to go through the update. Octoprint still wasn't working right. One of the things I like about um, DiaPi was I can go into the configurator and I can selectively uninstall applications through a semi-user interface kind of thing, semi-GUI. So I can go in that interface, click uninstall, click OK. It wipes it clean of that application which was octoprint then i went back in and said and you know put it on the device and then it reinstalled it from scratch just like i re-imaged a new sd card but i didn't have to go through that hassle and it was technically probably uh, a little bit quicker getting everything set back up so that was my octoprint issues throughout the week i also 
talked more to my son about the 3D printing and the marketplace and trying to do this. He openly said right now, every day he comes home, he does homework, he does dishes, he does vacuuming. He helps his brother with his homework. He picks up his brother from school. He said, Dad, I don't know if it's the kind of thing I want to do right now. So at least he was honest with me. I definitely encourage them to at least still tinker with it, still play with it, still try to have something that you can do with it once in a while. Think how you can make something that's cool, whether it's a coaster, whether it's something for his room upstairs, whether it's a little figurine, just something, um, you know, don't let it completely disappear kind of thing. Uh, keep your mind working on it. Well, I mean, sometimes it's good to step away from making. You don't want something that's a hobby to become a chore. Um, I go through fits of making and not making and suddenly I'm knee deep and doing stuff. And, and then there's just those times where I'm like, eh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm, I'm kind of tired of just printing things that I find, you know, you find all kinds of cool stuff online. Hey, I want to print that, but I'm not at the point where I, I kind of want to make something that I've put together myself rather than just reprint somebody's other thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm with him on that. The thing that will really get me going is I find a need and it's something I can design and print that'll really get me going on the printer where, you know, I'm, I'm six iterations in, it's been two hours and now I have a thing that I needed. Um, if you can spur that on with him, that's certainly worth trying. Gotcha. And, um, yeah. And I just got to get more, uh, focused on doing at least something on it. Cause honestly, if I'm printing anything off it, w- one of the little tricks is I say, Hey, can you do me a favor when he's home from school? Uh, can you go downstairs and take the print off the printer? That alone will make him ask more questions, do more follow through, ask how you do this, why you do this kind of thing. My biggest flaw right now is my proficiency in any of the designing applications is quite low. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at at least doing design-based things like the t-shirt designs in uh, Inkscape or something like that, just so at least I can do some kind of designing. Well, how about a design challenge? I mean, um, growing up, me and a buddy, we'd always do like the scribble drawings. We'd each take a blank piece of paper and just do a random scribble, you know, eyes closed scribble and trade sheets. And you got to draw something using that scribble. Um, Similar thing, say, hey, I need you to make this. And he says, okay, but you got to make me this. And you see who comes up with what and print it out. I like the idea that I'm just scared what he would say in return. I know I'll I'll definitely talk to him about it, see if I can get him because gamifying stuff definitely gets his mind uh, looking towards stuff. Um, what I wanted to do uh, on this one because this one's going to be a little bit video focused at least is go through the Octoprint first time setup. But before that, let's talk about what is Octoprint, why is Octoprint, how is Octoprint, when is Octoprint, all this kind of stuff. Um, the way I would describe Octoprint to the total new user is Octoprint is a alternate interface to your pr- 3D printer. You can use the interface built on the 3D printer, go through the menus, go through the sub menus, do what you need to do in that interface, or you can do it via Octoprint. And the advantage is Octoprint you can do from any web browser, at least on the same LAN. If you get more advanced, you open up ports in your firewall. Technically, you can do it from anywhere in the world. But in the beginning, I always encourage the people to just do it on their on on their LAN. Would any of you describe Octoprint differently? Um, at base, it's a print server. I mean, it's a very advanced print server and has a bunch of add-ons, and that's what gives it the powerfulness. And then, of course, the remote ability of it. 
but yeah, I think at base it's just nothing more than a simple print server. Yeah, and I'll say the other feature of it, which I like, is you can expose to the public internet the ability to just view the camera so you can see things that are printing, but not have the actual ability to log in and do any changes to the printer or stop prints, start prints kind of thing. So you, it can also just be a viewer onto your 3D printer and the actual progress of like any given print. Um, and then my question is, first let's think of the cons because i always at least believe if you really do like something then you can say negative stuff about it so the first thing i'll ask you guys is what's bad what's wrong about using octoprint or what's a disadvantage of using octoprint over just using the interface built into your printer boy bad things um i i'm trying to think of what i really dislike about it i mean mainly is you know i have issues with it not always uh staying connected like i uh, want it to but i think that's probably just my network and having to fine tune it and the location since i have it in the garage um negativities i i don't see negativities when we're comparing it to the interface and SD card setup like you would normally do with your 3D printer. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts, Chad? Well, the only thing I have towards negatives towards it is um, <clears throat> it can be a little difficult to walk itself, walk your walk your way through setting it up and stuff if you don't know what everything is, and it's not quite intuitive. The use of it in that said once you get used to it it's super intuitive you just get there is a learning curve to it you know um it could be a little more um user friendly in the aspects of um with new software that comes out integrating it with it but i mean for what it is it is great I would say the biggest point of failure on it, or the, the biggest problem with it, is it's a secondary point of failure. So now you have another device that needs power, that needs connectivity to the printer. Um, that's the biggest thing that I see wrong with it. And primarily the problems I have with it are going to be um, weak power supplies. So if you've got a, a you know, it, it runs off 5 volt. So if you're not using something that can provide a clean, steady 5 volt, all the time you're probably going to have issues with it rebooting and shutting down now and then i had one where i had to deal with that and replaced it with a, a better uh, wall wart it's been running nicely since but yeah overall other than a little bit of added cost and a secondary point of failure there's not a ton to worry about well i'll add a couple um it's an extra security risk on your network um technically speaking especially if you're doing it wirelessly it's something else that can be taken advantage of um like liam said if you have your printer then on a battery backup well then you also need this on a battery backup or else it's kind of pointless um so you do have to worry about that, that extra power issue um the thing that i don't like about it is to be honest it's not plug and play enough what i really wish is when it was connected to a printer there was a way for it to automatically tell 
what kind of printer this is, what kind of board is in it, what kind of operating system is on that board, and automatically configure everything. The first time you load Octoprint, it assumes that you know things that I'm sure the first time user does not know whatsoever. So it, it, if that initial handshake was m more automated, it would be much easier for the people to use. Um, the other thing is it's, it is another piece of software technically that you have to keep up to date. So once in a while, you should go into it. You should look for updates. You should go into the operating system. You should go to updates. So it's another point of maintenance as well. With all that said, I think all of us are going to be able to very easily talk about the good points. And the one good point I'm going to say is if you do learn the interface, if you do get it set up, then it makes getting a brand new printer much less of a hassle as well. While I'm sure in the native interface on the printer, there's going to be more of everything you can do, more features, more ticks, more changes, more whatever you, you can do. But then if you get a brand new printer and, and it, and and if and if you connect uh and and if you connect octoprint to it you already know what to expect you already know how to use it you already know what works really good in that interface and what doesn't so then if you get more than one printer it becomes something that you don't have to learn uh any anymore i would definitely say that's probably the biggest thing about it beyond the obvious stuff is the consistency i have 5 of these set up for the five printers I use and uh, I go between them. They each have a different name, a different back background color. So I know which, which printer I'm in at a glance. And it doesn't matter if it's Repetier, if it's Marlin, doesn't matter. The interface on the front end is the same. So you're not accidentally clicking something that's different in one version of Marlin versus the, the latest that's gonna cause something different. So just consistency of the UI across it is a is a huge boom when you're running more than one machine i would say that's one area where it is a drawback and it's probably it's not limited to this it's any software you can one run one printer per installation so it would be really nice being that most of us have more than one printer if you could run two printers off of one octoprint and just say this is this number this is the other number and just maybe have like another tab on the interface. But, you know, even if you're running three printers off of one computer, you've still got to have three installs of Cura with three different COM ports connected, you know, in the software to get that to work properly, too. So, I mean, it's not a terrible thing, but nobody else has solved that problem either that I can see. Well, you're saying specific instances of Octoprint, not specific machines running octoprint right both i would like one octoprint running more than one machine no no i meant machine as in the the server host because you can run multiple instances of octoprint on a single pi right but you'd have to set them all up separately correct correct yeah they're they're then virtualized so that you still you're going to be logging in on different ips for each one so it's not just that tabbed interface or anything wouldn't that cause more problems on the road with, um, <clears throat> or actually as you're printing, you couldn't print off of an Octopi on two printers on one Octopi, one Octo, one Raspberry Pi though. Yeah, you can run You've got more than instances. one USB port. Yeah, absolutely. I've got more than one printer in the office that I print paper to or print on paper with. What, what would be the difference? Well, 
the way that the Octoprint runs, it's it's throwing G code at it line by line, you know. So that I guess I've never tried it, so I don't know. But is that going to be fast enough real time um, code um, buffering and stuff? Well, I'm going to take a shot and say yes, only because when I first did my first Octoprint, it would lock up to where I couldn't connect to it at all, but the printer would keep printing for like another half an hour, it seemed like. It was at least 15 minutes. So what I'm guessing is it does feed line by line, but I'm guessing each machine has a different amount of buffer that it will keep in it. So it like might feed the first 2,000 lines, hypothetically, and then every you know, X minutes, send down one more line to make sure it always has that buffer. Um, if, 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 if there is a buffer on the printers, then you could do multiple printers much, much more, um, uh, efficiently. If that is a really small buffer, then I would be really hesitant to run multiples. Well, the, yeah, so it's just, it's again, it's just spooling, just like a printer server would. So the printer says, hey, my memory is full. Stop feeding me. It says, hey, I'm running low or I, my memory is almost empty now. Send me some more. It fills it up. I can, you know, so on and so forth till it's completed. Um, so I don't think that's so much the limitation as it is the overhead on the Pi itself. Um, from what I understand, and again, I didn't look too much into this because I already had five Pies. I wasn't going to worry about setting it up to save one. Um, the Octoprint itself only runs off one core. These are quad cores, so I'd think be safe, run three instances. You've got the extra for any additional overhead outside of that. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'll say the other thing I love about Octoprint isn't even the web interface. I'm going to throw a car curveball at this one. Well, the other thing I really love about Octoprint is the Android app I can have on my phone so I can, anywhere I'm at, load the app up, see the print, see the, see the, um, see the progress, see the USB camera, see everything I can on my desktop, but I, but I can also get a notification on my phone saying that that print is done. That one feature alone, the, the ability to get a notification that, that a print is done is well worth a $35 investment or more, you know, $40 plus the power and everything else. Um, I love, love, love that. And I don't know any printer you can buy by default that will give you that capability. Unless of course it's one of those, you know, $7,000 all in ones. Well, some of the crappy ones have that too, but they're all web-based slicing and uh, tend to be horrible things that you wouldn't want a notification that it's done. But yeah, yeah, the notifications are great. Um, Push bullet, I believe is what I, the plugin I'm using for it. And then you mentioned phone. If you have an Android device that's not being used, you can download uh, Printoid, stick it on there, plug it into a, a wall wart and just let it sit at a location remote from the printer so you have at your fingertips control at any time without having to tie up your your daily driver too yeah that printoid is maybe the best app on my phone i'll start a print when i leave for work and i can check it and see if it's i've had it to where you get about a quarter of the way through the print and it goofs up and knocks the print off the bed or something and you can stop it from your phone you can pause it you can do whatever adjust heats and your fans and everything so that's a great app 
Yeah, and um, the other thing I like is that it has a plug-in architecture like your modern web browsers. You can get enhancements to it, and some of those enhancements turn out to be what are, the, in the end, key features that keep you using that browser. Same kind of thing. Octoprint has plugins that you can enable and disable all kinds of things, like the uh, integration with the um, notification system that Leah mentioned. I can't remember it now. Pushbot. Pushbot. I'm trying to think. Of it. Yeah, and there's all kinds of plugins you can get. Um, the one plugin in air quotes that I don't really, I don't get the warm and fuzzies about is it has a built-in slicer. Now I don't know nothing, but I know. Most of the time when I load my slicer up to do my slicing of my slicing kind of thing, I almost always tweak settings. And what I'm led to believe is the Octoprint, you can set up profiles, but then when you upload your STL and it does the slicing, there's no real options you can do that I can see. So I'm not really sure of the use case of having that slicer built in unless you repetitively print like the same kinds of thing over and over and over again. Well, the slicing, you can have multiple profiles. So when I first set up with Octoprint, I wasn't using Simplify 3D yet. I was on Cura and you can just take and export any Cura profile and import it into the, into the Octopi or the, the Octoprint. And then when you upload an STL, it'll say, okay, which one of these do you want it to slice with? And so if, if you do have multiple profiles or, or you're or you're using any specific profile for specific tasks you can do that um i change mine so often and i'm always tweaking things that it didn't make sense for me because i mean i i mean i'll change my my z offset in my slicer because i don't want to relevel because it's easier to type in a number than it is to turn four screws or three screws or however many screws it is to raise or lower your bed the appropriate amount for whatever you're printing with little things like that but it really depends on your use case. I mean, if you're running a, a print farm, then yeah, slicing there is going to be probably make more sense because this is your printer for TPU. That's your printer for ABS. That's the printer for big stuff and so on and so forth. Yeah, but now if I'm, I, I'm not quite sure, but is the slicer engine that it's using kept up to date? Because like I use Kira but I use the 2 point whatever, 2.5 or 6 or whatever it's on now. And that's um, Kira 15. That's the old version of Kira. I'm not even sure that they're updating that anymore. Yeah, the engine it uses by default is Kira 1504. Um, I haven't looked in the repository to see if they have different slicing engines. That might be something that's in there. Hell, they might have a um, plugin that allows me to export mess 3D profiles. I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, here's another question. Uh, how high on the priority list would you guys rate if someone comes to you and says, hey, I just got a 3D printer. What are the first things I, I should do? With me, I say that Octoprint really does need to be in like the top three or four things because, of course, you got to steer them towards good filament. Uh, speaking on behalf of Aaron, too, you got to steer them away from hairspray and some other kind of adhesion method. Uh, but I mean, really to me, Octoprint is up there. It's in that list, uh, mainly because if someone does use Octoprint, then it'll be much easier for me to help them if they're having problems and how to do things where if they're using their own printer while their own printer's interfaces, odds are going to be completely different than what I'm using to at least some degree. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely on the list. Here's the questions to determine whether you need Octoprint or not. 
or whether you should get it or not. Nobody needs it necessarily, but do you have a printer? Do you have a network? If you said yes to both of those, just get the Pi and install Octoprint on it. And while you're at it, get a webcam for it. Yeah, but <clears throat> there's something to be said for if you're the first time um, user of a printer, learning the interface, learning all the stuff that goes into the printer, and then putting the Octoprint on there because there's, I, I don't know, you you your Octoprint could go down and then you're stuck trying to figure stuff out without the Octoprint, you know? Who knows? No, I agree with you. Learn, learn, learn long division the hard way and then get a calculator. Octoprint's your calculator. Um, it's so you can sit on the couch and watch the print and check on it from time to time from your phone. I think most people, and maybe I'm just talking from my own experience, when they get a printer, it sits next to them on a desk in the living room, wherever it is, until they've learned it and tuned it in and gotten comfortable with it. And then it moves off someplace where it's going to live until it dies. And when it moves to its forever home is when you should hook up Octoprint. Yeah, I think you're right there. That's what I was trying to get to is um, learn your printer. Then once you want to make it easier, get your Octoprint. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, what I plan on doing, uh, I have another Patreon set up for the mini PC show. What I plan on doing is trying to record a video on that channel showing you how at least I install Octoprint because I don't go to the Octoprint website and download that operating system. Maybe because I'm anal, I, I put it on my, um, my, um, diet pie only because I find it so much easier to then turn my Raspberry Pi into more of a multi-functional system and install other means of connecting to my Octoprint and not just through the web interface. Um, so that's how I do that. In, in uh, this one, we're going to mainly focus on um, first-time installation, what happens, why happens, how happens. Um, so right now on my screen, we have the first-time wizard setup. Um, this is where... It, it, it like shows you definitely in bold. Now this is the key to me. The stuff that's in bold are things that you really have to set up. The things that are not in bold are purely optional things. So when you see this first time wizard, don't think you have to fill everything out in this wizard. I did the first time. Thus, I wasn't really sure what I was doing and I didn't know what this was. And I was asking questions and I sounded stupid, but I learned. Just like anybody else, I learned. Um, uh, the one thing I will mention first before about Octoprint is that it does have a way of self-updating. So you can have a, a preset to it will automatically download updates and then prompt you telling you that updates are there. Would you like to update now? It's a really nice way to keep everything on your system up to date without having to manually log into the operating system and check. Okay, on, on this first time screen, it just says, hello, go ahead and click next. Uh, now we're at access control. This to me, I will say without any hesitation, you really should in today's modern networks, modern computers, have a password on everything. I don't care if your password is the word password. You should at least have a password on everything. First thing you get is the option to set up access control. If you... Disable access control. That means anybody who hits that IP will have control over your printer. Uh, maybe you live by yourself and no one else is on your network. Maybe you, you know you trust whatever. Still, just set it up. Even if you just make it easy. And my mind is not complicated. 
uh, whatsoever. Uh, it's actually quite easy and it's quite repetitive. It's the same one I use on all my mini computers just because. Uh, then I know it. Uh, go ahead and fill it out. Hit uh, keep access control, then hit next. Um, and, and now here's a new setting. Um, Liam, you said the uh, check interval is a new uh, option on Octoprint. Yeah, I think it came about in 134, and I believe the current stable is 1.3.5. Gotcha. So this yeah, is... that sounds right, I think, because I just downloaded it. So I believe it was 135. Hey, just to go back to the access control there, <clears throat> if you're worried about having to remember your password, it's got a remember button. So just set up the password and everything, and if you're to your own computer... You can click it and it'll log you in right away. You don't have to worry about that. So just to go along with that, you should put a password on it. Well, yeah. And I'll say in most browsers, if you want, you can make it save passwords. Or if you're like me, you can save it in your last pass. There's always ways where you don't have to type it out every time. So basically all this is doing, this gives the Octoprint the ability on this screen to go out to the public internet and check for updates and um, and um, and um, download the update. Uh, 15 minutes, to be honest, might be a little bit frequent. I wouldn't, I mean, personally, you could probably set this thing to once a day and it not be an issue, but I am a member of the tyranny of the default club, so I don't see a real reason to change this. Uh, it, uh, by default, uses DNS 8.8.8.8, which is the Google DNS. Again, if you want to change this to your custom DNS, you can, but I'm not. I'm just going to leave it what it is. Okay, then we go ahead and hit next again. Uh, and this is the final, no, no, this is the first optional stage. Um, this is where you can set up the Cura engine. Again, this is purely optional. I would say for the first time person, you probably don't have to worry about this. I personally, first time, wouldn't set it up unless you are dedicated to wanting to use that slicer on the actual uh raspberry pi um just my oh, um, oh, opinion yeah i've never set up the cure engine i always skipped it that's just I, i'd rather i like the cure interface their two point whatever interface better i did set it up uh way before they came out with uh the 2.0 uh interface like liam but after I got um, Simplify, I quit using it completely. So, Gotcha, gotcha. And I do like that it actually tells you here if you want to import your profile uh, that there is uh, INI files that you just copy over, import them, and there you go. Um, I like the fact that at least I believe in all these steps, you can just click, keep clicking next and not fill anything out. So next we have the default printer profile. Uh, here's to me, this is really uh, at least th this first one is the um, is the um, is the um, general tab. Uh, this is where you get more customized. Where you can call your printer what you want to call it in the interface, and then the model, the general rep rep printer. I'm going to guess I leave that as the default. And you'll notice you have tabs up there as well. Yeah, like um, this is where like um, if Chad gets the printer set up correctly he's going to have to change the form factor from uh, rectangular to circular origin lower left you can change it to that or center do you have a heated bed and what is the 
dimensions of the printer. I have the CR10, so I believe this is 300 by 300 by 200, if I'm not mistaken. Four three by three by four, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I was just checking your knowledge on it. Okay, then after that, we have Axis. Uh, I'm going to guess I don't have to really change this. This says, please define the maximum speed of the individual axis on whether their control should be in should be inverted or not. See, as a first-time user, I don't know how I would know if this would go on my printer or not. Well, honestly, this is stuff that's not going to matter too much unless you're using specific plugins or if you're letting it do the slicing. Or if you built your own printer. It's just there as options. Um, most of the time, your inverted is going to be done in the hardware so you wouldn't double invert it it'd be back to because if you set it to invert then it's going to take all your negative movements make them positive whatever so that's all going to be done in your hardware or in your firmware for your printer so gotcha gotcha now really quick question this is what i'm going to guess x y z e x and y are left right forward and backwards they're backwards if they are backwards I don't think it's a big deal because instead of it printing something facing the front, it would just print it facing the back. That's not the end of the world. The Z is the only one where if it's inverted, you're in trouble, correct? Well, it would mirror it. So some things, yes, it would cause problems, but that's not what this is talking about. If you look at the note there, it says this information is used for manual control only on the control tab. So when you're doing, when you're jogging it around via the interface, if, if, if you hit the left button and it goes right, then you'd come back into here and tell it invert X. And then this is going to tell it the speed at which it's moving. So right now it's, it's moving at 60 millimeters or sorry, six meters a minute. So I believe mine was inverted. I believe because I think when I looked at the interface, I had to tell the bed to go backwards in order for it to go forwards to come to me. I think. Well, so here's the way you'd want to look at it though. Instead of the bed moving that direction, what you're, what you would picture is whatever direction you push is the direction the extruder should move in relation to the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah, I, you, what they're, yeah. yeah, Liam's right there. But you could change that if it's only for manual movements, you could change that and that way it would move towards you. The bed would move towards you when you move it the direction, the arrow towards you. Gotcha, gotcha. And then the other tab is hot end and extruder. Um, nozzle diameter 0.4 millimeter number number of extruder one. Uh, as a first time buyer, I'm sure I could find out what my die die um diameter is. So here's the question, Liam. It, you upgraded your hot end. Uh, I believe it had a thicker die die. Amateur, did you have to come into your Octoprint and um, change that setting? No, but again, this should just be used for the uh, slicing feature. And while I did upgrade my hot end, I have not changed out the nozzle to anything larger than a 0.4. I'm getting it tuned for 0.4 right now, and then I'll slowly go to the 0.6, 0.8, 1, 1.2. Gotcha, gotcha. And it does clearly say here that this does not influence any already sliced files that have you that you've opened in um in um octoprint so it would only influence the uh built-in cura slicer or if you're manually extruding then i'm guess 
Right. Yeah. So you would make most of your, you know, if you change your nozzle out, you're going to change that in your slice or more than more than likely. This, yeah, it's not going to matter. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Then next we go to uh, server commands. Uh, this, I would say, isn't things that you actually need. Um, and what I believe here is for restart, uh, sudo reboot. Oh, that that's for restart uh, Octoprint. See, this is the difference, I believe, to the DiPi version of Octoprint versus the official version of Octoprint. I believe these are the kinds of settings that are already filled out for me. Also, depending on if you did the DiPi version or if you're just getting a Raspberry Pi and adding this to it, those may be different. If the user you're running Octoprint as does not have access to reboot or does not is not a sudoer, you might have problems with that. So you know, you'd have to pay attention to that if, if you really wanted to do it full full on correct. Yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to leave right now restart system as sudo reboot, and I'm going to basically, once I'm done and everything's set up, I'm going to try to do a reboot, and if the reboot doesn't work, then I know i got to come in and change the command, and then I know what it is running as and what commands do work. Um, most Linux distributions, reboot is the command to Sound reboot the computer, and to do a shutdown is going to be shut down uh, uh, dash H space and then the word now. Um, but I don't ever see myself issuing a shutdown command just between us. So real quick on the reversing axis, I just did that on mine and tested it and that's exactly what it does. It'll just reverse which direction things jog in. And then I just copy and pasted in my commands that are pre-filled. The restart octoprint is, yeah, what you have there. The pseudo service octoprint restart, the shutdown is, or I'm sorry, the restart system is pseudo shutdown tack R space now, and then the actual shutdown is tack H now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So the dash R is for reboot, the, um, the, um, the, um, um, dash H is for halt. Okay. Uh, we go to the next one and it's software updates. This is another one where I don't have the proper folder defined. We're on normal um octoprint it's already pre-filled for me um i do believe i did have to actually browse my file system to find the correct folder because i am not positive it was the same as it was on the normal uh octoprint but for now i'm going to put what liam gave me here yeah and that was just uh slash home slash pi slash octoprint um and I will say the folder where it uploads files to is right around there as well. It might be the same folder now that I think about it. Okay, uh, next one we got here is the uh, webcam and time lapse. Right now I don't have any camera connected because the last time I did this, the camera did not work. So I'm going to leave all of these blank. Here's where you can customize the, um, the um, streaming URL, the um, snapshot URL, and the path to FFmpeg, which is the... A uh, tool that's used to basically convert the video to a visible f format. Channel Liam Desktop. The default for the stream URL is going to be colon eighty eighty. So whatever your octoprint sitting at colon eighty eighty, that's where you can go in and change the uh, mess with the camera settings. And then the snapshot, or I'm sorry, the uh, path to FFmpeg got tossed in the chat as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, if you notice, the path to FFmpeg says slash user slash bin slash av con v. Here's the dirty secret. 
there is no FFmpeg for ARM. So what you install is a thing called AVConv, or what gets installed is a thing called AVConv, which basically has an alias FFmpeg, and it works pretty much exactly like FFmpeg. Uh, it just isn't the real thing. Okay, we're going to go ahead and hit next. I'm pretty sure if I hit test, this is going to fail. Oh, it passed valid. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hit... Sorry, go, go ahead and go previous. I, I gave you the wrong one for the uh, stream. I give you the snapshot. So the snapshot, yeah, that's correct on the snapshot. The stream one, let me get you that one. Channel Liam Desktop. Link to 127.0.0.1. Same, uh, same link there, Liam. <laughs> I noticed them. <laughs> let me fix that. So then quick tangent, am I the only one that when I copy things, I hit like control C like five times because it seems like whenever I click it once, seems like it only takes like one out of every or like two out of every three times. You know, I have issues like that when I'm remoting into other machines. That seems to be about the only time. Well, and I swear I remember Steve Gibson talking about that same thing maybe a year ago where he said he did believe there was some kind of uh, basically a bug in the Windows kernel itself that caused um, uh, copying to not always take. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if it's a real thing, but it could be like the old NES cartridges and people blowing into them. It turns out blowing into them actually did nothing. It just gave the system another chance to re um re um re um try to work. And nah, you should be able to the humidity test both of those and just helped. get a black screen. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and hit next and then we are done. All done. Um please reload. Reload now. Um and now just our, we're just gonna do a really quick walkthrough on Octoprint. And I believe I still have to do the actual first time connection, yes, to my printer. Uh this was one of the things that really confused me. Um Serial port, baud rate, and the printer profile. What I didn't realize, correct me if I'm wrong, the connection from Raspberry Pi, from the Octoprint to the printer, while it's a physical USB connection, it's actually emulating a old school serial connection, correct? I do believe you're correct. Okay, I'm going to leave, I believe, serial port to auto. Oh, no, I don't. I scope, I push it, I'm going to push it down to dev slash TTY USB zero. zero. Yeah, um, with that serial port, um, <laughs> leaving it to auto never works for me. So I always have to make sure it pulls up the dev TTY USB zero or whatever. Well, I'm going to interject on that. Um, the auto always works for me, but only if the USB is being shown under the slash dev. That's that's a great troubleshooting um, tool right there. If the Octoprint only shows auto and doesn't list any other um, options there, then there's a connectivity issue. I've had a lot of problems with my Anet A8, the board on it. Um, they're, they're made to a price, that's for sure. And uh, if it doesn't show the USB listed there. I've got to go over, unhook the USB from the board side on my ANET, plug it back in, go over, look and see if the Octoprint sees it now. And if it does, now I know if the, the connection's um, showing up successfully again. And I, I've had the same issue plugging it into my PC. Um, it's just kind of a shoddy board. <laughs> so if you don't have connectivity, take a look and see if you have that listed there or not. If you don't, unplug it, plug it back in and see if it shows up. 
And then the baud rate on almost all of these is 11.5200. Well, did you ever unplug the USB and blow in the socket? Uh, I mean, there's there's wind. I'm breathing. Sure, why not? Yeah, mine mine is an A in at A82, and it's a similar problem. But all I have to do is refresh the page on my Octoprint. Just go and right click and refresh the page, and it comes up usually. So I don't know. Yeah, refreshing the page never worked for me. Um, the other thing to watch when you're unhooking and rehooking your USB is watch the uh, the readout on your actual printer and see if it reboots itself. That's usually it connecting. And then on most printers, when they connect with a serial interface, it'll reboot itself. So also never plug in a Pi or any, any sort of USB device to the board while you're printing because that print's going to stop. Oh, yeah. I learned that one the hard way. Okay, so I have my serial port uh, selected. I have the baud rate to 115200. The printer profile is what the name I set in that one very first screen. Uh, I always uh, check the boxes to, um, to um, save the connection settings and to auto-connect. And then the moment of truth. You click connect, and you see what happens. And it says, bam, it minimizes, so then you know it is connected. Um, you can now see a uh, temperature status updated there on my uh, screen. So that's the ambient room temperature of where the printer is sitting. Um, do you guys want to go through a quick rundown of this interface, what it is and what it means? Yeah, definitely. Um, first thing you should do is control plus plus to maximize the usage of your screen because you're going to be in and out of here looking at stuff. And when you do get the uh, webcam going, it's nice that it takes up more space. Plus, it's easier to look at the chart there to just kind of have everything nice and large for you. That's that's one thing I'm not a fan of in the GUI. Things should be bigger. Uh, most people have a decent machine to, to handle it. Um, on the files, if you click there, you, you see that you've got a whole bunch of G-code listed. You have options to show stuff that's on the card. And then, so if there's a card installed in your um, printer itself, or to only show the files stored locally in the octoprint itself yeah i'll say i really do like that feature because sometimes i like to keep my files organized like that what i do is i keep the files that successfully printed and i move them off and the files that i'm currently printing now i put them there and i see no advantage to copying the file to my printer then coming into octoprint and saying print because i personally believe when i do that the file has to come off the printer, back up to the Raspberry Pi, and then back down to the actual printer itself. So that's no, it shouldn't. It should just be initiating the print from the uh, card. Yeah, that's one thing that I don't think we ever got a sufficient answer on. Um, I've never had luck with me uploading a file to the SD card in the printer itself. Um, I've tried multiple times. It sits and churns and says it's doing things. I mean, I've let it sit for an hour or more and it just never works. I don't know if it's a permissions issue, if it's a uh, issue to the firmware on the printer I was trying it with or what, but I've never had that successfully work. And like Dor says, I don't really see any reason to do it. I don't have SD cards even in most of my printers at this point either. I think it's just more confusing for the user because I think when you think SD card and you're working on the Octoprint, you're thinking the SD card in the Octoprint, but it's actually talking about the SD card in your printer. 
Yeah, definitely. So where it says only show stored locally, that means to the the uh, the Pi, the print server, and then stored on SD means any SD card installed in the printer itself. Yeah, they they should change that to printer SD card or something because it is confusing. And I know Door had problems with it when he first started. He was having issues with it. And I've looked at it and been like, well, yeah, I want them on my SD card on my Octoprint, but I don't have an SD card in my printer, so. <laughs> yeah, and if you find a file that you can't delete, it's probably one that's on the SD card. Yes, I did have uh, per um, per permissions issues at least once where I had to take the card out of my printer, bring it to my computer, put it in there, and then I could delete the file. So that was definitely a weird thing. Um, the other thing I like about this file section is that it does have a pre-built-in search feature. So if you have a lot of files, like it's going to happen quick. You know, you're going to have a lot of files. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, so I like the fact that I can literally just come up here and start to type a search. Uh, maybe it was slim. Maybe it wasn't. But, but you can do searches right there. And a search is really quick. Uh, I like the fact that when you're looking at the individual files, if it was successfully printed and kept as a history on this octopi then that file name is going to be in green if it's a failed print then that then that actual file name is going to be in red um and right there you have five quick buttons that you can use for each file there is just more um more data on the file is one option uh download the file so if you want to bring it back off your octoprint to the computer or device that you're browsing this on you can do that you can trash them you can just uh, load them, or you can load and load and um, and um, print them just from one button. So I really like those file options that are right there. It actually makes sense, and it really did work pretty good for me, at least. And then any of these three main areas on the left column, connection state files, those are all expandable by clicking on the the blue text. Yeah, it definitely makes it easy because, quite honestly, you don't always need to look at your connection. You don't always need to look at your state. You always don't need to look at your files. So you can definitely tighten up the interface when you have a chance. Um, then across the top, there's five other tabs. Uh, temperature, Control, G-Code Viewer, Terminal, and, um, and, um, and um, Time Lapse. Uh, temperature is just a, is just a um, graph that will show you the actual temperature on your device. So like right now, if I just come down here and I set my uh, target temperature to uh, 40 on my bed and I just hit check, uh, it's going to take a second. It's going to send that call to my printer um, and then it's going to set a um, dim line showing when the temperature was set and what it was set to. And then you'll see a slow progress of the actual temperature going up on my bed. So you can actually watch things. Um, if you know you're going to print a file, this is one of the things you can do to basically speed up your task, which is basically come in here, preheat your bed, then load the file or like upload the file, then load it, then hit print. So your bed already has a head, has a um, head um, start on its print job. Yeah, and you can set multiple um, temperature settings in there by hitting the plus mark next to the there now um i think that's how you do it no um, no you have to go into the you settings. go in, yeah right. go to the wrench and create a print profile and temperatures yeah. 
the drop down is going to give you any of that you have preset and you're likely only to have ABS and PLA in there currently. That's one thing I use a lot. I've got five or six different ranges and I just plug in which one I want to try for whichever type of material I'm using at the time. That's super handy because then you're not waiting, you know, three or four minutes for some things to get up to temperature before your print goes because what happens when you print is it will start heating one thing and the other thing will not heat until it's done heating the first thing and then it'll go again. But with what I do is I usually set them both at the same time and then click print and both things are heating up simultaneously and I don't have to wait for the next one. Yeah, I usually, when <clears throat> before I start slicing anything, I know I'm going to either be ABS or PLA or whatever. And I'll start preheating my bed before I even slice. So now your graph is going on your uh, on the X there. It goes 10 minutes. If you go up to your, your wrench icon and then select temperature on the left-hand side, that's where you can change the cutoff. So it's going to, there's 30 minutes. You can enable the fine adjustment. And then below that, the presets, that's where you can add or remove or modify them. So for instance, I have a pet G setting in there as well. That's really good to know. I definitely like the idea of that because yeah, I always manually go in and type it out. Um, do you know if these presets carry over to like that um, to the um, Android app? The Android app should just be a front end for all of this. Yeah, the Android app you can actually just go right into your Octoprint, so it'll actually you can get to all this stuff. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, we're going to go back to the actual main interface really quick. Uh, control is the next tab. This is basically where you can see an um, image coming from your USB camera connected to it. And I will say it does accept a broad range of USB cameras. But if you really want to be sure, I, I believe the one I used was a Logitech uh, QuickCam Pro 9000, which I believe is around a $20 to $30 camera. It's not high definition. It ain't crazy fantastically great but it works and it works pretty good yeah. yeah oh sorry i was just gonna say i don't own a webcam that doesn't work with it yeah i've tried out four different ones and um they all work the logitechs really work well though any of the logitechs seem to work so very cool very cool then down here uh, we have the actual manual controls and this is where if you literally want to move the nozzle to a specific area on the bed you can simply hit uh, the uh, right, left, backwards, forwards buttons. You can hit home. You can raise the Z, lower the Z, or make it home. And then down here, what I like is you have um, 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 rates of movement. So you can set it to a point one, which it will not move very much at all. It moves, I believe, one point of a millimeter. So if you need it moved a lot, you're going to click the button a lot, or you can set it to like 100 when I move my bed backwards and forwards, I always change it to 100. So to go completely to front to back is only, I believe, three taps. So I definitely like that feature. This is also where you can um, turn off your motors so you can disengage them so you can manually move stuff around. Or if it's going to be sitting idle for a long time, it's not sitting there holding, the, doing the holding torque on them. Um, so if you get a lot of wine in them and it's just sitting there, that's because it's between steps and it's it's trying to hold them there. Just click motors off till you're done with it. You also have the fan on, fan off here, and then you can manually extrude or retract filament as well. 
and if you had multiple hot ends or extruders, you would you would have multiple there on the select tool drop down. Yeah, and a real nice feature on here too is that it's got the slide bars for your feed rate and your flow rate, which is your feed rate is how fast the uh, how fast it's going. You know, you can up your feed rate and uh, the flow rate. I've when I first started out, I played with that a lot because, or when you're trying new filaments, you just uh, or new brands, um, you can adjust that there. That'll adjust your um, flow rate of how much it's extruding. So that's kind of nice to have there. And one thing I didn't know is you can move that slide bar all you want, and until you actually click the the button below it, it doesn't do anything. Gotcha. And uh, I've I found with a lot of people that are new to printing, the feed and flow confuses them. Feed is speed. Yeah. Flow is extrusion multiplier. Yeah. And with the feed rate, if you speed it up, that up, it's going to speed up the flow. Well, it calculates the flow with it. But if you just need more filament, that's where you adjust your flow rate. Right. So the feed rate is like the knob on my printer that's going to speed up the movement of the bed and the um, of the axes. And when I speed that up, it's naturally going to mirror the speed also increase to the flow rate. But to just increase the flow rate, I'm going to guess your best, your best bang for the buck when you do that would be like maybe in vase mode is where the flow rate might help. I don't know. Um, yeah, but where it's going to help you is if you've got <clears throat> you're you're testing out a new brand new filament and it just doesn't seem like you're getting good layer adhesion or something, but you've got it set right. You think well, if it's not extruding extruding enough, you can just bump that up in the middle of a print and test and see how it looks, and then take that number and put it figure it out into your. Uh, extrusion multiplier in your slicer too so yeah it's really more of a um kind of one-off manual type thing where you should be fixing down the line after this print's completed um, another place you can use it first layer i don't know why you do it on the first layer but you could do it there um so your bed's too far away okay crank up the the flow for the first layer and then it gets to the second one and it's at the appropriate height um or you've got a filament that's inconsistent and you start to notice that it's getting too small, too big, and it's over or under extruding, that's where you can modify it kind of on the fly. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, the next tab, this is the tab that I really did enjoy, I will say. Uh, this is called G, um, G Code Viewer, um, and this is not showing what I thought it would be. I thought it was actually going to show me the code that's being spit out of my printer uh, um, of my octoprint down to my printer, but that's not this, but you know, that isn't it at all. What this is, is a animation of what it is printing. What is the progress of the print and how far along is it in the print? So this I found to be very helpful because it could tell me exactly what layer I was on. Where's it at in that layer? Is it going left, right, up, down? Is it filling inside? Is it building a wall kind of thing? I personally found this tab to be very enjoyable to watch. So, like on this tab, you've got your 
on the right hand side the bar that goes up and down that'll show you your layers and then the one at the bottom will show you each each line of the G code in that layer so yeah it, it helps you find problems in your prints or whatnot or just to see where you're at on the layer if you want to for whatever reason you need to know where you're at or if you just like watching it be hypnotized by your printer and just kind of watch back and forth that's what i do a lot that's it's sad but it's fun <laughs> it is fun to take a look at and see what it's doing and it gives you a little bit of little bit of info um i've disabled it on all of mine just because i don't want the performance hit and if you're clicking through tabs and you get to that one it's going to try and load it up if you have it um, enabled and then a lot of the stuff i'm printing is larger than the 20 or 25 megs where it doesn't automatically load it up and so i've just i've removed it from all of mine but yeah it does have a it does have a, a good amount of information on there i think it's good for the first time the first first time printer first time a couple times you print it's kind of nice to see what's going on and you can actually then go and take a look at your g-code what's being put up there and seeing what it's doing it's, it's kind of neat oh no no it's definitely cool and neat um it, it basically gives you an etch-a-sketch visualization of the g-code painting the lines layer by layer um it's not something i would enable on a iw or zero by any means though because i th <laughs> i think that might kill it but then again, but don't worry about it. If you never open that tab and start it, it's not like it's running. So don't go and waste time trying to figure it out how to disable it or something. You know, it's not, it doesn't use any resources if it's not being visualized. If you're not looking at it, it doesn't, if you never open it, it's never using it. So, yeah, no, exactly. But I would open it by accident as I'm jumping from tab to tab and. And then it would load up and I'm like, ah, let's, let's just get rid of this. And it's one less tab. Yeah. I will say that was one thing I noticed that I didn't like. Uh, even I could tell that when I switched to the tab, this was not loading in the background automatically. And then when I get to the page, just showing it, but it literally was not even active until I went to that tab. So I understand what you mean by disabling it and getting a little bit better per, um, per performance out of your device. Okay, uh, next tab is terminal. N this was exactly what I thought it was. This is actually, I believe, showing the genuine G code that's being sent across the wire to the device. Maybe? Well, it's not only just the G code. It's anything that's being sent from the Raspberry Pi to the printer. It's all the information coming in and out of the any transmission. It's another really good troubleshooting tool. This is also where you would use that um, automatic PID setup. I don't think it actually feeds the G code through here, though. It shows pretty much everything else, though. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. it shows the G code. Yep, you it can shows watch the G each code. And every line. Yep, I don't every line. That. Yep. I'm going to run me a test one here because I just yeah, don't remember watch it. showing each and every individual G, G zero, G one, all those. Oh, yeah, it does. And it shows you all the G code. It'll it'll fly by pretty fast if you're doing a lot of, like, if you're doing something that's circular and it's multiple moves, thousands of moves, you know, to make a circle. Gotcha. Have you ever used the Arduino programming environment, the free Arduino 
sweet tool that you uh, flash your Arduinos with. This is basically the serial terminal that comes with that, just in your web page. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's just the in and out. Yeah. Very cool. And here is if you need to send a uh, specific command to your printer, uh, here's where you can get the actual G code um, um, sequence for that. Come in here, just type it out and hit send. Um, there's a bunch of uh, reasons why you would want to do this, but me being me, I have absolutely no reason why. So I'm going to have to ask you guys, what would be a good example of a code you would come in here and type to have something done? Well, let's say you're trying to move your printer around um, and you know exactly where you want it to go. You can just type in the G1, X whatever, Y whatever, Z whatever, and it'll move right to there. Or if you having problems with, for some reason, buttons aren't working or something, you can test to see if the G code works, but the button doesn't work, you know? Or if you need to save something to your EEPROM, you can do it from here with an M502 or... Is it 500? Yeah, yeah, 500, 500. which you 500 can do, saves, but it's going to do nothing yeah, on the yeah. CR10. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because you guys ain't got a writable EEPROM. Yeah. Yeah, I used to use this all the time uh, with the Wanho uh, doing M303, um, doing calibration. And you'd punch it in and uh, rate. Uh, your, uh, or do your PID, PID uh, auto tune. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and then the last one over here is the actual um, time lapse uh, tab. Uh, and this is really, now correct me wrong, time lapse is exactly what it sounds like. You can say uh, every, uh, every X amount of time, you can either do like 20 frames a second, uh, 25 frames a second, 30 frames a second, or you can say, uh, give me only like one frame every minute and then preset it, hit go, and then it will basically create I'm going to guess a movie and not a GIF of the actual images, so you can see them like after the fact. Yeah, I believe it saves it as a AVI. Um, there's somewhere in the, I believe it's in the wrench time lapse settings that you can tell it to turn off the um, the watermark. Um, this is also where you can change the rotation or flipping the webcam vertical horizontal, and then tell it what kind of camera you have 4 by 3 16 by 9 um, the one thing I kept forgetting when I was trying to do time lapses because once you've started a print you can't change the time lapse is if you want it to do it on all of them set your settings and then click the little button that says default save as default um, otherwise it's not going to gotcha gotcha this is a really cool feature I don't know when if I'm going to start using it but I definitely think it's a cool um, core feature don't underestimate it for troubleshooting. You can see when something broke loose or when it started spaghettifying. Um, it, it, it's one more tool. I, I, I don't use it for making pretty videos to post online or anything. That's that's pretty much all I've done is watch something print out, see, okay, well, a bug flew in there and got stuck in it, or what's this blob, or why is this here? How did it break loose? Yeah, it's a great troubleshooting. Or if you want to post them to the internet, that's fine. It, that's what they're there it's there for that but don't forget if you've got that set up to go in there every once in a while like i i use an eight gigabit um sd card 
don't forget to go in there and delete them every so often because it will save all of them and you will have a list of those things on there and just clogging up your SD card. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now I will say up on the very, very, very top bar, we do have a couple other buttons. Uh, the ability to change your settings, log out a uh, notification uh, button that will basically show you when there's updates that are pending and general news about um, about um, um, about an Octoprint uh, release, a uh, denouncements, uh, things from their blog, new plugin messages. So when there's new plugins available, uh, they will be here. And then just general Octoprint news. This is one of the reasons why I think Octoprint is successful. They have pre-built into their system a way to directly communicate with every user and let them know of brand new things that happen. Well, that and it pushes notifications to you. So, like, sometimes you'll start it and there'll be a yellow box that shows up right away. I always ignore them until I have time to actually let the, you know, because when I open it, usually I want to do something. So... Um, when there's an update, it'll push a notification to, to, when you open this up, it'll have a notification there. And if you ignore it, that's where you go to find it again and do the update. So that's a good thing to remember. You can always ignore the updates too. And I'm about five versions back on the updates. So... <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the next one over is the um, system. This is where you can do a uh, shutdown, reboot, restart, or restart Octoprint in safe mode. Have you guys ever had to restart in uh, safe mode? I haven't had to, but I've done it once. I don't remember why. What does it come up? What does it look like in safe mode? Go ahead and click a door. We'll see if it works. And of course, it gives you a prompt. Are you sure? So we're going to hit proceed and success. It said the uh, command was successfully executed. Now it's going to basically reconnect. Dependent on your Pi and your network speed and how much space you have available on it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it might take a couple seconds. This is already done. It says reload now. We're going to click it. And I get the little yellow box like Chad said. It says the server is currently running in safe mode. Third-party plugins are disabled and cannot be enabled. So that's actually really cool. If you think it's a possibility of a plugin causing issues on your device, you don't have to disable the plugin. You can just restart it in safe mode and get some uh, confirmation. Oh, that is very cool. I didn't know. I've never tried it. That is cool because it'll shut off all the plugins. I run about eight different plugins on mine. So, And I believe the confirmation on the system reboot is new because I think in previous versions, you'd just click whichever one of those and it would immediately do it. But now you get that confirmation pop-up. I'm thinking that's new in the one of the last two versions as well, which is nice. Yeah, because I don't, I don't remember if it does it on mine. But in that tab, too, you can also do custom. You can go through and make custom buttons. Like I have a surge protector set on mine that turns off and on my printer. So... Uh, you can go in there and set custom um, commands. So now you're in the uh, the settings, and if you jump down 
I've, I've never messed with serial connection stuff. That all just works. So I don't, I've never really messed with that. But if you go down to the printer profiles, that's where you can add a second or third or however many you want profiles. And then this is also where you can edit the existing profile. So if you did need to invert your axis, you'd come in here, edit profile, and then go over to axis. And then you'd be able to select the appropriate one, change the speeds, invert it, whatever you want, tell it confirm, and then it's updated. That way you can use one, one octoprint, one, one pie with multiple machines and just have them all in there. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'll say we're not going to go through all of these settings because, to be honest, there's a heck of a lot of settings. Um, but here's also where you can go see your uh, logs. Uh, this is one of those other things that could be helpful, uh, especially if you visit forms and stuff and say you're having an issue. Somebody might ask you to go to your log, uh, export it, and have them take a look at it. If you're having certain problems, it could definitely be a window to information that can help. Access controls where you would add additional users. Um, there should be, I think there's only a couple options for permissions on those. Um, I know at one point Aaron set up a user for me on his so I could remote in and help him with some stuff and upload G-code and things like that. Yeah, it, at least when there's one user, all you can do is either make them an active user, disabled user, a admin, or a non-admin. Yeah, and then to me, the real uh, coup de gras, the real thing is the um, is the um, is the um, plugin manager. Um, my stupid question is: Do you guys have a favorite must go, must be installed plugin? Well, like I said, I have about seven different add-on plugins going, and um, the print history or history print. Um, Plugin is very nice. Um, push bullet. Push bullet if you want. I, I have never even set that up. <clears throat> but, yeah, there's so many that are really good. Oh, I love it when my phone makes that little blue, 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 blue noise. Wait, I'm like, all right, right. I was just time to go just rip that to thing that. Off, the, off the print bed and start another one. Oh, no. Well, I, yeah, I've set I like my that. phone, no way. No more notifications. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that at work because it's like, hey, guess what? My print's done and it sends me a nice little picture saying, here you go. Oh, I'm currently in uh, safe mode still, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how you get out of safe mode. Do you have to just restart Octoprint then to get uh, out of safe mode? I actually did restart Octoprint, so I'm going to guess I have to reboot. Uh, you might have to wonder if you don't do the safe mode thing again. I don't know. I've never went into it. <laughs> Liam, help. I, I don't remember you reloading. Maybe I wasn't watching. Yeah, I saw him reload, but I just assumed it worked. Yeah, and I do like that in this plugin interface, you can click on Get More, and it does have a interactive search thing, so it is definitely very easy to uh, find one that you already know the, um, the actual uh, name of it. Um, they do allow also for you to go to look at details, so you can see more of a this um this um description of each plugin and uh see what it is, see who makes it, see what versions it can work on. Um does make it much easier to identify and understand what all these plugins do. There's more than a couple. I like the idea of having a um cost estimator. So that's yeah, I was one. just gonna say that's one that I always installed. Um, that's that's a really nice one because then you can see how much you can set it up 
You can set up for how much time you're spending. You can put a value on your time plus filament, and it figures out what that part actually costs, you know? And then it does allow you to sideload from URL or from a local upload as well. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely definitely like that feature. Um, but here's the question, Chad. There's two of them. There's cost space estimator that is under the MIT license by Jan. And then there's cost no space estimator, which is uh, GPL V3 by 7. I'm using the MIT Jan one. Yeah, me too. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, I am a firm believer that when you offer software with plugins where end users can create them, uh, you're going to have a much more successful uh, piece of um, piece of um, software because there's no way you as a developer is going to know everything, figure out everything, think of everything. So when you allow people to uh, fix their own like uh, own um, problems, uh, that's when you get a lot of really good um, good um, concepts and uh, things that come out of it. Well, I like the display progress one. What's nice about all these plugins is um, if you go through like the homepage link, it's going to, you can actually get the source code, right? You can see on the side there, it's got uh, the source code where it's located and stuff. And so if you wanted to go and mess with it, you can take the source code and play with it, you know, because it's most of this, most everything on Octoprint is um, open source, most everything. So. Right now on my printer printer, I see a progress bar. So what you're telling me is I install this plugin on my Raspberry Pi Octoprint and it can change the display on the printer to actually show a percent? Correct. It'll send a M117 and then it, it sends the appropriate data to display. Oh, that's right there. Um, that's um, what I'm going to have to install. That is assuming your firmware will accept those commands. Yours may or may not. Yeah, that looks like FT5. I mean, it's probably very generic, but it definitely looks like something I want to try as well. Yeah, I mean, it should 100% be dependent on the the firmware, whether that's enabled or not. Oh, see, I, I don't use that because mine shows a percentage, though, doesn't it? But anyway, I always change mine custom readout on the bottom there. You can send code to change your custom readout, too, so that's kind of cool. There's another good one that puts the temperature in your, um, not your title bar of your browser, but next to where it says your printer name. So if you're on the control tab, you can still see what the print, printer is doing temperature-wise. So if it's waiting to come up for temperature to, you know, extrude something if you're testing something, that's useful. Gotcha, gotcha. So what I'll ask the uh, listener is if you guys have your own favorite uh, Octoprint, uh, plugin, let us know because there is a lot of them. I'm not going to say there's an insane amount, like you know, a thousand, but there's a lot of them. Um, so, which ones do you guys think that you uh, really like, need, have to have kind of thing, and the one that makes you stick with um, with um, Octoprint? And the main reason I say that last part is because I know that there's other, and I know there's other applications you can use to manage your printer uh but this one seems to be at least the um the um the um popular one to me 
Astroprint is the other one I'm aware of. I trialed it. It was very hit and miss. It, it was more miss than it was hit. It was brand new when I tried it out. Um, it's web-based, so you don't need to do any sort of port forwarding or anything, but you're dependent on their servers and your internet, and it just... It looked pretty, but it just did not work well for me. But at the same time, I'm a guy that's got five printers and every one of them has had something out of the box wrong or dead with it. See, I, I tried that too, um, AstroPen, or I looked into it and I I didn't see the benefits of it versus the OctaPrint. I, for you, it might actually, you've got five printers, you can do it all from one you can do all five of them from one interface, you know? So, I don't know. But the Octoprint just seemed more open and more uh, community developed, you know? Ooh, that gives you the temp of the pie, too. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, I don't think I have this one. I might have to add another plugin. We're looking <laughs> at Navbar temp. Um, in the repository. I didn't know if that was the one Jonas was talking about or not, but yeah, that's the one. Yeah, this is one I'm definitely going to install as well as soon as I reboot my Octoprint and get it uh, done correctly. Um, I'm also, here's one of the gimmicks. The other reason I like using DiPi to totally tangent this is it's ridiculously updated. Um, I did this less than three months ago, and I believe I was three or four versions behind uh, every time they do a version, it gives them another opportunity to update the Octoprint default settings and how it works. So hopefully this time I'm going to plug my camera up to it and it's just going to work. Um, uh, I'll find out after the show, but I'm really hoping that's the case. Um, these plugins are freaking awesome. I've got to say, I'm such a firm believer in uh, plugins. Uh, it also, I see even there's one that can show you the room temperature. Um, you know, these plugins really, I mean, they're they're pretty expansive and they're pretty damn cool. Um, going along with that, I like using the Octopi, uh, their firmware or their um, install or whatever, their image, just because a lot of the stuff is set up. You don't have to do a lot of the other messing around with stuff. But if that doesn't work for you, there is other options. There is the Diapi or just installing it on a Raspbian, whatever, whatever um, firmware works or software works on your Raspberry Pi. So don't give up on it just because their image didn't work on your Pi. Because Dory, you had that problem where their image just wouldn't work on your Pi your setup with your Wi-Fi or whatever. Yeah, I believe that was more me problem and my Wi-Fi because I also, when I changed operating systems, I also changed the default Wi-Fi settings and I added a uh, dedicated dongle to my device and I saw much better results instantaneously. Uh, so because I changed two things at once, I don't really know which one fixed it. So I'm right now sticking with DiPi and, and that, um and that, um, dongle so i'm just going to keep it there for now until i have a reason to uh, change it again yeah see i use a wi-fi dongle on my um pi 3 that has wi-fi built into it but <laughs> it just seems that the dongle does better so i use that and i use 
the uh, raspberry or the uh, octopi um, setup. So I didn't have to go through the diet pie stuff. So, so I was looking at that uh, room temp one you had mentioned, and that is something I do with all my, well, most of my printers is I have a cheap thermometer hygrometer. So it tells the temp and humidity and I keep it within view of the camera. So remotely I can say, Oh, is it getting too hot in there? Is there something to worry about? Uh, plus now I have that in my uh, time lapse as well. So I can see, well, there's no obvious reason it failed, but the temperatures it's, it's 95 Fahrenheit in there. So maybe it got too hot and that's, you know, the failure point. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, was there anything else in the interface you guys wanted to uh, talk about or go over? No, I think you covered quite a bit of it, Dora. Just to reiterate, if there's something that you need that you don't see there, and you're you know, a bit of a scripter, you can actually add things to the config file that will add buttons. Like um, Chad was saying, you can add things to the start menu or the config menu or buttons to the control panel tab on the normal print area. So there's, you know, go to octoprint.org. And there's all kinds of documentation there to add extra neat stuff. Yeah, like I've got a script. Uh, it basically turns a GPIO pin high on my on the Octoprint or Octa ugh, on the Raspberry Pi, and that's all done through the uh, Control Editor. I think is what it was called. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, uh, Edit Connections. That's what it was. Yeah. Edit connections, editor collector, or whatever it is. There's a, and maybe that's an add-on I put in. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I've got so many add-ons on this thing. I'm not even sure. Gotcha, gotcha. And I will say, um, Octoprint does have a um, does have a um, Patreon. So if you would like to support them directly, you can go there and do that uh patreon if you don't know is a way you can reoccurring give donations so you can either set it to once a month give x amount of money or with every posting give x amount of money um i personally use it i personally think it's a really good thing and it does seem to work pretty good uh with that we have a patreon over at patreon.com slash the makers with a z uh i will say thank you to um to uh, Captain Zero Christian for being our very first Patreon. I will also say I'm not shocked he's our first Patreon. He's a hell of a nice guy. Um, very deeply passionate about 3D printing and computing. Uh, so I, I uh, thank him for that. We also have, uh, I believe it's pronounced Diver, uh, who is also a, um, a um, pledger, who I also believe pledges on another one of the Arpanas Patreon. So thank you guys. Uh, right now, right now, right now, right now. You guys are the only two that have access to even see this video. Uh, I will prob I will release this video to the public after a couple of days, but if you want early access and if you want live access to these shows, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com slash the makers. Um, did you guys have any uh, thing you wanted to end off with? We appreciate the time in your ear holes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I want to thank everyone for downloading. Thank everyone for their support. Do not forget, you can send us an email if you want to at themakers at podnest.com or you can just go to podnest.com, click on the contact button. Uh, you can also send us a voicemail if you would like to 707-6-PODNUT. Uh, and please do not forget, uh, you should always support those who support you. And we will talk to everyone in about a week.